Hello, welcome to Scott's Movie Pod. Until I think of another name, which I probably will never do. We are here to talk about movies, the reasons we love them, for better or worse. This movie that we're going to talk about today falls into that category 100%. I always had fond memories of it and rewatching it. I still, still very much enjoy it, still very much love it. But I definitely got a different perspective watching it this time. Before I jump into that, today we have Mr. Jeff Bosley back again, discussing one of the next movies on his list. Jeff, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the 1998, I guess, love romance movie, uh, What Dreams May Come, starring Robin Williams and Annabella Sciorra. <laughs> I don't ever know how to say her name. Uh, yeah, uh, Sciorra. Annabella Sciorra. Right. <laughs> I would say it's a sleeper movie. Like, not many people like know about it, yet it's widely... The ones that do love it and some of the ones that do don't <laughs> oh yeah people this is a very middled movie like people either loved it or hated it uh early review when they were still together cisco and Eber were still a thing their review uh had a pretty good summation that i like and that's not like an indictment i think it honestly describes it really well it says this is a film that even in its imperfect form shows how movies can imagine the unknown can lead our imaginations into wonderful places and it contains heartbreakingly effective performances by robin williams and annabella sciorra and i think that honestly yeah. does describe it well the things that make it imperfect are mostly related to how i guess the story got received and some of the questions they kind of hold up related to life and death not so much in the like what they put forth or what they posit as oh in the afterlife these are things that could be possible it was yeah. more they raised a lot of questions and never truly answered any of them hmm which is, I might be the uh, ignorant moviegoer that didn't see those. I'm intrigued to know what I missed because this is my favorite movie of mine. This, I didn't discover this. I saw it. I almost want to say I saw it in the theater and I've loved it ever since. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Upon I, every viewing, I've missed these uh, open-ended questions <laughs> or empty, empty answered questions. The interesting thing in watching this now is, you know, I, seeing the movie from a bunch of different angles and talking about it, seeing where from a movie standpoint as like a behind the scenes kind of thing where it could have been better where it maybe yeah. fell short as far as like the writing or the script or the adaptation because this is actually based on a novel yeah before i get ahead of myself don't want to fully abandon the structure here yes <laughs> all the template yeah yeah generally speaking uh how, how you doing how you doing lately bud uh, since our last check good it's you know? almost the same uh same answer as our last show uh just more of the same uh Luckily, I mean, you, you it's like I'm kissing your ass, but like, luckily you created this and it gives me a reason to just hole up and watch a movie oh, sure. versus yeah. like, versus like pulling the curtains shut and just watching it in this weird, creepy darkness. Now, now it gives me like a, a purpose to watch one. But yeah, more of the same. More of the same. You know, this will be funny because it'll, it's not too deep because it's not like we were together for 15 years. But in my last movie coincided, even after we picked it, I think, with like, uh, Batman vs Superman. Yeah. We talked. There's a mom theme. Mom had just died. Yep. This is a love movie, and I just got dumped. So like, this is like this. This is like turning into this fucking beautiful, like life imitating art. This is a turning into little therapy sessions here. <laughs> like I said, it's not we were dead together 15 years, so I'm not gonna put not blow out of proportion. But I'm just finding it fun, so I'm not. I can't remember what I'll pick next week or next time, but it'll uh, it'll be very predictable. Pre 
predictatory. <laughs> well, I know what your next movie choice is, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe we choose something else in the interim just in case. Oh, <laughs> what was the next one? Well, the next one was supposed to be uh, A River Runs Through It. And given the ah, general themes and point. context of that movie, let's, let's, yeah. let's wait. Let's wait on that. <laughs> Lest we tempt fate with these analogous life moments <laughs> that you're having, uh, let's let's maybe not say we did for now. <laughs> we'll do a different movie first, then we'll come back to that one. Do like the Smurfs or something. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a nice uh, up uplifting uplifting exactly. film that will have nothing to do with your actual life, right? <laughs> oh Lord! All right. <laughs> That's uh, you had you had a special moment watching because of that and uh, because of the last one for sure. But I think the interesting like overall theme with this is yeah, it's like this blatant soulmate concept. But it also it made me think of last night when I was watching it on how this is a great example of a movie like 1998 on how upon you probably got this too when you just recently watched it upon every rewatch. I don't care what the movie is the stage in life or whatever life experience you have behind you makes you see that movie completely 100%. differently. Yeah. It's not like you'd be like, Oh, I never noticed that character in the background. Sometimes that weird little nuance. Sure. But yeah, this one is definitely in that. Not like it, you know, to not to go deep, but you know, it didn't make, doesn't make you reflect on, Oh, this exact specific relationship I'm in, but it does create this like wide berth of, of reflection. Yeah. And this is, this is one of those movies where I think that might be maybe, I, I would be interested to people that didn't like it if they went back to watch it after it, letting it ferment for 10, 15 years, if they'd be like, huh, interesting, you know, cause it, it's not some blockbuster. I mean, the cast, like in, they were in, those were their heyday, man. Like Cuba Gooding Jr. And Robin Williams. Like this oh, was yeah. like, yeah, this should have been a draw, like a huge draw. The reception it did get people, nobody has any issue with any performance you know, like yeah. the performances are what is like lauded as being amazing, as well as the visuals, because they are, they're gorgeous. Yeah. What usually is uh, the criticism, I guess, is really, it's mostly just the story and uh, how, how it resolves. Interesting. And we're, we'll come back to this too, but um, yeah. there's actually like an alternate ending for this movie that Robin Williams reportedly even said in an interview that he preferred and wished that they had kept, but... How do I not know this? Yeah, I guess they shot it and um, it's not too different from what we got, but it changes the context kind of a lot. And I think it uh, arguably would probably have been even more powerful as an ending. But huh. um, yeah, we'll come back to that though, for yeah, sure. Don't circle that one. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Talking about that though, leading in, what dreams may come. This movie is, you know, it's about a uh, journey. Like you said, it's, it's one man's kind of journey into hell for the woman he loves but it's also very much about the experience of like death and dying and uh what may come after and obviously from the title what dreams may come is pulling yeah. from uh i think hamlet that's like shakespeare, shakespeare and hamlet yeah I yeah that's shakespeare. Like, I, I only act like i know that it's because i happen to see that but yes shakespeare i think it was hamlet <laughs> yeah i just um i can't remember which part it's in or like which model like it might be like the main to be or not to be it might be part Hamlet, of it. Act I think three, it, scene one to sleep perchance to dream i there's the rub for in the sleep of death what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us cause right okay yeah yeah that was off the top of my head yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> i'm an actor i have that shit memorized <laughs> no yeah um, yeah and um that could also i was wondering in like watching of it if that kind of 
gave people a different idea of what the movie would be since that title like what dreams may come and being from shakespeare that monologue I, that moment in the quote that you just actually said is in the writing often translated as like oh you know he's scared of death and like what horrors might come when you die yeah and yeah this is All dante's inferno kind of ironic concept and they're kind of flipping that here and saying that what what dreams may come could be beautiful could be amazing like it could yeah. be anything you want it to be and yeah. i think when i can imagine and i'm not knocking the 90s uh moviegoer i obviously was one and i i, I went to uh demolition man and cliffhanger and right, you know yeah. i was in line for some of the most heinous movies of the 90s <laughs> and i i can see this one i did the i even rewatched the trailer and it's funny because the ex i'd show her trailers of movies and i would be like hey you need to watch this old movie and i'd bring up trailers and it's funny how even trailers have evolved yeah because i would show her i think i showed her the trailer of this and even um the fountain oh yeah it's funny how poor the trailers in the past actually did it selling and this trailer is one of those it didn't sell what i saw as a movie and so i could see what dreams make comments sounds very ho hoity-toity mm -hmm. and then even the trailer made what seems very almost intimidating like if you wanted a black and white romance this didn't seem like it yeah and so i could yeah. see a lot of people going i'm not going to watch that movie that looks weird and artsy fartsy yeah, that so. looks existential, and it, and it is. Exactly. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it is. It does have that, like, all through yeah. it, obviously. I, I definitely think that probably worked against it for people, for sure, and the marketing, like you were talking yeah. about. And yeah, it definitely does not do a great job of selling what the movie is really, I think, focusing yeah. on or talking about, which we're going to be getting into pretty soon here. What it does kind of try to sell is, like, the, the imagery more than anything else which makes sense it does go on to win an oscar for the visual arts and the visual yeah. effects yeah. I, I get it yeah and it is it is like i said already gorgeous and just like yeah. wow just a stunning movie beautiful beautiful art like through yes it. even yes. heaven quote unquote to hell quote unquote yes across the board well, I was even noticing, and I forgive me if i'm hopping stop me but like i remember I, this is like one of the first movies i can think of and even present tense where you can tell Everybody from wardrobe to props to DP to director to everybody had a, a collaborative say in every shot. Everything yeah. was very obviously that's ideally the way film is. But this one, every single thing was, you know, he his version of heaven is translated in from a metaphorical painting into that's his literal heaven. But ironically, every shot from the viewer the movie viewers eyes to the you know on your screen is is a painting oh yeah like they everything from his tie matching a, a you know and then a peacock i mean just it's the most um tapestry-esque film to date i can think of that wasn't like a force to be that way like they did a clever way of using that as a as a metaphor it can also be kind of maybe intimidating i guess like if you are a guy like me that loves just going to see total recall and chests exploding um this one it could be judged quickly sure the story the story is lost in the special effect which at the time this was it didn't have competition i think that's a good way of just transitioning because that is probably what i remembered most my initial first impression seeing it the very first time was just all the imagery everything about yeah. any visual in every single scene is unforgettable really yeah and yeah um purposefully i believe you know kind of haunting it's supposed to stick with you it's supposed to stay in your head oh, and like sure. really make your brain kind of wander through those territories through those paintings yeah. and 
feel yeah that, and well you know yeah and absolutely and i think it's like it goes back to that genre or generation thing where if this is 98 i first saw it i was just just out of high school so first two years of college concept of soulmates and that weren't on my mind but imagery was and oh, so yeah. like you know i wasn't as enthralled by the imagery as much as i was just like this look movie looks cool and as the years have changed the obviously your your what you're looking at changes but yeah like i'm even on the imdb right now where you just go to the photo gallery and every image you could turn that into a canvas oh, like sure. a painting yeah like 100%. every still, even just average stills where he's in his, his doctor's office i don't even know who this cinematographer is but whoever it is uh they have my like fan loyalty for life because every single shot is is important here the uh cinematographer and that's actually good because i we i glossed over some of that uh yeah, uh, directed by Vincent Ward, based on the novel written by Richard Matheson and adapted by Ron Bass, starring Robin Williams, Cuba Gooding Jr., Annabella Sciorra, Max von Sydow, uh, Jessica Brooks Grant, Josh Paddock, that's the main big, oh, and Rosalind Chow, Lucinda Jenny, Maggie McCarthy, many, many, many more faces. Uh, yeah. Werner Herzog makes an appearance as one of the hell faces slash possibly robin williams's father yeah that's right and richard matheson it's new to me that he was the uh he's the writer of i am legend yes yeah of which i have actually read the book and it's very good yeah so i might read this book now eduardo Serra is the cinematographer it says uh, listed as director of photography i'm looking at what else we would know him oh boy yeah he's uh he's got a lot of things some of them look more like a lot of stuff in the 90s and early 2000s he he's only got uh, one credit between 2013 and 2020 and that's something coming out on tv oh, eduardo. no kidding well and the director also had a has a limited run really right, yeah these are yeah, for some sure. of these are great movies some of them i've never even heard of very interesting yeah a lot of it's a kind of a diverse scattershot spread here uh the biggest yeah. ones girl with the pearl earring unbreakable blood diamond harry potter and the deathly hollows parts one and two so yeah. he shot those that's that makes me wonder uh which came first the chicken or the egg was the look of what dreams may come him or the director because that that that's a very unique Obviously, disregarding effects, like even just average shots, that didn't have his uh, stamp on it. As much as like we can even go back to Batman or Superman, you can tell a Snyder movie is a Snyder movie. Yeah, like this guy, you you that doesn't seem to be his visual or cinematographer stamp. So I wonder. I'd love to have seen who who sat made that choice. I think that was probably Ward, based on yeah. um, what I understand of his work. Like he's very sort of a like yeah. a visual. A very visual filmmaker, essentially. For sure. Well, that's what I, that that goes all the way. That goes back to a, a note I took in one of my things of how, since this movie, obviously there was digital effects, but this was still before they could use like I, I remember Mandalorian. Now that I know, like ninety eight percent of all of the stuff is an LED backdrop, which yeah. is mind boggling that it's so convincing. They had to have practical lighting. They had to have so much practical effects, and so they they couldn't. I would imagine they can't haphazardly do that stuff. Right. You know, right. And fix it. I think we live in an age where fix it in post is much more realistic now. You know? Yes. <laughs> like yeah. They could change an entire scene in, in a computer now and it looks just like they'd planned it that way. Whereas here, they can't change if Robin Williams was hard lit on the right side of his face. They, those days, that kind of editing didn't exist yet. They had to be very careful with how they shot their effects. And like, uh, yeah. you know, they did. Obviously, it's a very group pretty damn solid mix of like practical and uh digital mixed sure. together but they still had to do it at a different degree altogether 
during that time. So it, it, yeah, it's just visually, it's a feat in and of itself. And I know I was reading something about the art, like uh, with the VFX director, all of the art was definitely part of like the pre-planning process. And it was very much the director and like the, the visual artist's team. And then they had to actually like research and develop different technologies or come up with some new technologies to help with some of those visual effects. Yeah. They were the same team working on, I guess, at the same time, the matrix, which was also working pre-production during that time. Which that was the high time of back in the day. The only people other than like Lucas is like one of the few filmmakers is like, I need this invent it for my film. Right. Like that's kind of like that. So that, and then the matrix and now in a way, weird way, this in it by association, it's, these were the few films that didn't say, let's use what we have. They actually said, we have to figure out a way to do this for the first time ever. And right. this is kind of like that, the CGI, CGI heyday. Like Enhanced like reality. Whenever, How can we yeah, make this now, even better? You know, now it's, it's, you know, there's very few new inventions anymore, like game changers. Like everything is based off of something that already exists, even though like they're using the, like I said, the LED backdrops in Mandalorian. Yeah. That's still a spinoff of green screen and blue screen. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly. still a, so nothing has really drastically changed since the nineties, other than just improvements on already established effects. This is one of those stepping stone movies, even if people don't realize that. That was cool. Oh, for kind sure. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. I mean, I would definitely say it's one of the first ones. Well, I even made a note where it's like to go back to Mandalorian and then the LED backdrops is you can't tell. Like it's, it's not old school blue or green screen where there's an edge, no matter how hard they tried, you could tell it was digital. Like yeah. Indiana yeah. Jones and the temple of, uh, yeah, the temple of doom, the, you know, like on the roller coaster, or the, uh, mining cart scene, it's painful backdrop. It's painfully obvious. And this ironically though, it works like because of the way they made, you know, he's running through a field of painted flowers Yeah, and you can tell it's Robin Williams on a green screen and all that, but it, it works in this, that, that non-connected reality actually works well that'll actually be fun too to show you uh because i have a panel i pulled up here from uh this interview nice so that you could you could see pod is up in the production value (laughs) yeah there you go no kidding that was practical yeah a lot of it was like best of both worlds kind of thing they did their absolute best to create places or go to places that look like paintings and then enhance them. i would have never guessed that I would have never guessed that first or that second panel was based. I mean, you could tell, I remember even that scene, like oh, yeah. frames yeah. after that, he steps and he is, his heel slips and it, it, scr- it screeches the uh, paint. Yep. But I would have never guessed the original shot still had a foundation of from like a lot of that is real. Like, holy shit, that color, color me baffled. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, I was reading some of this. We're talking about like how they were testing some of this. And it even says uh, the first thing we did was get the film studio to give us money to test this. <laughs> <laughs> Almighty dollar. <laughs> we went out and shot some footage of a guy walking through a forest in South Carolina. We selected two shots from that. And then we hired a programmer who had particle system that he'd written. That's developing technologies wow. that now people can just do in After Effects on their computer. I mean, some, yeah, you can almost do it on your phone now. Yeah, it's wild. There's programs where you can do uh, convert bus strokes. I mean, Photoshop even, like filters. Yeah. It's like taking that filter, the brush stroke filter, and applying it and artistically yeah. enhancing it. Can you imagine it how those guys feel now where they're like, that cost us billions of dollars. Right, exactly. It took us three years to make. Uh, but yeah, that's a good, uh, good, good segue here, I think. So we're talking about our first impressions, remembering the first time we watched it. We kind of like glossed over that a little bit, but since 
the images and the visuals are so much yeah. of that experience. I think that sure. kind of covers a lot of it. Yeah, um, my first, yeah, that, my first memory would be the, just the visual. After that, it's like what we liked, what worked for us and why. But moving into what worked for me, uh, this movie, talk about an emotional roller coaster <laughs> from hell. It's just, <laughs> there's added layers. And obviously like you were talking about seeing this movie on every rewatch, especially if every new stage of life, yeah. you're gonna experience it or feel it in a different way. And I remember watching this the first time I saw it and getting, you know, moved and being like emotional, but not in the same places. And I think every time I've watched it, I've gotten emotional in different places or been hit by different things a little bit harder than I was before. And this was no exception. Like I watched this uh, last night and today. I watched it last night too, again. Going through that experience was just like, heart-wrenching and emotional for a lot of different reasons one of them being obviously uh robin williams is no longer with us yeah sort of having that hit me in the face all at once fuck yeah i realized it too during this also yeah i think it literally dawned on me when he's dying or like when he's about to die and i was like oh fuck though he's dead that guy's really dead he's yeah. actually dead oh my god this is really night. rough it yeah, it hit me last night. No joke, actually. That's ironic. At the same time where um, the voiceover, he and Cuba Gooding Jr. are having the dialogue while he's dying. Yeah. And it's the scene cuts right to Cuba Gooding Jr. when he's still blurry. And it's like this really hard shot to his face. He goes, you've died, Chris. Yeah. And that was when I, like, right now I got the chills thinking about it again. I was like, oh, he is dead. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 weird. Holy shit. It's just having that experience of realizing, oh, this person is dead in real life. Yeah. Not, not just in this movie, but uh, so that, that colors the experience. Absolutely. The acting and the, the core relationship between the characters, what people have argued a lot, I guess, is a insubstantial story, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> those characters are really, really strong and are played so well and their chemistry together and the way they played off of each other throughout the entire movie with their relationship is just, it's good and it's heartbreaking. And it just, yeah, it tears all throughout the movie, just off and on. Absolutely, yeah. Losing it and you, you're like, oh God, <laughs> here it comes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's almost more painful because you know it's coming versus seeing it for the first time and you can gloss over it and you can't come back. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. You, and then you, you just like, have to like go wait it, wait it out and see it again another time. Reliving these moments and all that. Oh, Jesus, yeah. this is so brutal. You forget kind of how brutal the first bunch of the movie ends up being. It starts yeah, off beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I was even thinking about that last night. Like it, it, it starts out with a little bit of backstory and then five seconds later the you know the line is that was the last time Andy and I saw them alive and I was like God yeah you're like oh <laughs> they did not God. ease into it at all and and I think that's what's interesting is like again I'm a little jaded with modern filmmaking now in a way there yeah there's these all cool visual effects and everything but this and I'm curious what people butchered about the story or empty answers but like this still had despite that those weren't gimmicks to make the movie good those were gimmicks to enhance a story I I think and performances that like were astonishing like on paper i never would have put robin williams and annabella what's her butt like as a as a romantic couple for whatever reason yeah but they work as i buy them as soulmates sure yeah like un, unquestionably and then their kids like I, I i never like there's not one thing on that thing to me at least that core group and even cuba gooding jr was not the cuba gooding jr that he tends to be like because he he kind of always had a little 
I don't want to say like Nicolas Cage by any stretch of measure, but he had a signature that was a little bit of Cuba Gooding Jr. esque. It wasn't there for this. Like it, it, the core, there was no, I don't think there's any weaknesses in any of how they work together at all. No, no. I think the character performances are strong as hell. All those actors, all those actors came came to set and they came ready to play. Well, and I saw, I was just scrolling earlier before we started that uh, Annabelle, say it again. How do you say the last name? Annabella Sciorra. Sciorra. She, uh, she didn't take it or want it because it was too, too deep. And then she would, after the table read with Williams, she said, yes. Yeah. I was like, that's one thing is he might've been a tortured, tortured soul, which some of the best performers are. I really think uh, he does funny stuff, but all of his performances that are anti coked out comic to me are some of the best to date, not just of his, but across the board. Like I would put some of his performances in Goodwill Hunting, uh, One Hour Photo, and this up with a lot of performances that people consider the best performances of the millennia or whatever. Like highly underrated subtleties. Ironically, coming from, you know, coked out Robin Williams, some of the most (laughs) subtle performances on the planet, you know, it's Oh yeah, uh, Robin Williams is very underrated as an actor, I think. And I I heard, like I was listening to the very quick review that uh, again, Siskel and Ebert kind of gave, like watched an old YouTube video of their review. I think it was like, yeah. it's like a, it's three minutes. Like that's the most time they kind of oh. gave it. <laughs> they didn't have anything like really, really bad. They kind of like, they were talking about Robin Williams's ability to use his own imagination and just like make you believe these places exist. And like, he, he believes they're real. So we believe they're real. And I think that's something that a lot of actors fail to do a lot of the time especially now with the way like the industry has has gone and the way it works and how some of it can be so much like assembly line sometimes oh god Um, yeah yeah i mean he i don't know who quoted it but i know it's quoted all all the time now but living in realistically and imagined circumstances like you believe he believes he's there yeah and especially on a thing like this now that i'm surprised or uh, been educated about a lot of the locations were actually more practical than i even thought like that hillside shot i assumed was in a studio right um, right yeah you believe he's there and i mean and that goes to like i was even making a note on the tons of my notes were on like the setting and the studio or the locations or whatever is that that is back in the day where that was all there that to me goes towards what we've talked about like the you know like you said the assembly line of movie making right now is that probably isn't practical it's not cost efficient uh-huh. but it's closer to what I believe, ironically, theater, I think, is more true acting. It's, it's weird because you obviously you're sitting in a theater watching it. So you're highly aware and there's less special effects. There's less ways to draw you in. But the ways that are there are all, uh, 100%. You know, right. this. I mean, unless it's some avant-garde, weird stage setting. But like back in those days, the stage, the studio was there. You know, like they might have had a false wall or this and that, but everything was there. Like now, like I even thought of the car wash scene. Sure. Now they could probably have done all of that with all the extras digitally in because a lot of the background was blurry and didn't need to be. I mean, there's so much they could have done digitally in this where they didn't you know yeah. and and it made me realize how a lot of modern storytelling is cutting a shit ton of corners and you know like as an actor like that's depressing <laughs> like pretend there's people behind you versus casting yeah. people behind you and he nailed that and and I even like i even remember just like there's one scene where he and uh um, cuba Gooding jr are like arguing about going to rescue her from hell mm-hmm. and like i'm i want i would it just felt 
improv but not in the sense of where it, it was poor improv but like he, he go he's like pokes Cuba Gooding Jr. the chest he's like it's about it's not giving up and he like gives him a really good hard chest shove and I just it just it was like holy shit that makes sense you know this is Robin Williams being this character about ready to go into hell not it didn't seem like the director said do this you know and I think he's always been good at that yeah and he's got some whoppers as far as characters are concerned and roles <laughs> he's had but even with all of those characters in mind. I feel like he always brings a very human quality to every character he's playing. And yeah. I think it's a lot of like good, a good actor should be able to find in themselves what experience the character they're trying to portray is or like relate to that experience as much as possible. And I've always felt like he does that so well, maybe even pulling more inside of himself and putting it on display than anybody ever realized. Talking about those dark thoughts and like yeah and he i think he had he transcends because dare i compare him go with me on this to I always use this example of tom cruise mm -hmm. when tom cruise is in a movie he's tom cruise in a tom cruise movie playing tom cruise doing what tom cruise would do in a tom cruise scenario sure <laughs> robin williams even in the 90s was he's known as robin williams yeah yet he could still play patch adams remember that movie called toys yep toys patch adams goodwill hunting mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they were nuanced enough that you could lose that it was robin williams you like you said he he didn't feel like every man per se but he felt like relatable yeah by robin williams because like if you saw that guy and to know that guy if you watch his stand-up his stand-up makes me sweat you know it makes me tired just watching it and oh it yeah. seems like you know he's sweating when he does it like by the end of his stand-up his shirt is soaked you know and and it's it's amazing to watch that guy go okay rein it in now i'm gonna go subtle like holy god the subtlety of humanity i guess yeah. is uh yeah. something that he just excels at it. and it's always yeah. refreshing watching his performances. Annabelle Sciorra, again, powerhouse performance. It's the two of them, everybody is doing really well, but it's the two of them and their yeah. relationship to each other and their chemistry to, with each other throughout the entire movie that makes the movie what it is. With, sure. Without both of them bringing the heart and the depth and the feeling to each one of those scenes that they brought, yeah. none of the rest of the movie would be as impactful. Yeah, you, yeah, I 100% like, Annabelle, like if she if if she came across whiny or if she did anything slightly different or wrong, we wouldn't have given a shit. And it's not like we're like they. And that's what I love about it. like they. I, I saw like they had auditioned Michelle Pfeiffer and somebody else. And I I like that they cast a Annabelle. She's known like if you're a super movie nerd, but she's not super known and i think people would have been like oh we don't want michelle pfeiffer to go to hell we don't want this famous actress to go to hell like they'd be leaning in because of the person right this we leaned in because this was annie nielsen and and like she conveyed that to the point where we're like that's my mom or that's my wife like right she nails that i mean she's even like i still give her an underrated uh, acting credit for uh in a uh, copland opposite of stallone oddly and then yeah, like she is, I just remember like I wrote in the, like the scene where he goes to the the mental, the hospital and she discusses having divorce and all that. Yep. Yeah, I'm almost going to watch it again after we do this. Yeah, you just lean into watching her and going, I can see any man going to hell for this woman. And then, the then uh, you know, uh, uh, inevitably the son helping his dad go to hell for his mom. Right. And, and yeah, it's, it's beautiful. She plays everything so beautifully and it doesn't ever come across, it could come across like melodramatic if, if, it, if it was done Sure. somehow differently 
and it didn't. It came across like like, her whole family died in like the first 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah, you can't blame her after that. Like (laughs) the trauma and the the horror of just having to deal with that is unimaginably horrible. It, it's yeah. like I, I don't want to think about it I don't want to have to process well, yeah that. and it's funny that if you think about it like traditional movie or movie storytelling structure who had the most happened to them in a way like if you were to like put a scale technically the movie should be about her <laughs> like yeah you know yeah, this totally. is just about this happens to be they picked on the one of them out of the three that died and follow his journey and all that stuff whereas she's back on earth or however you want to say it dealing with all of this shit you know which I mean I don't know maybe every day was the same for her so yeah that's that's fair i guess that could be uh <laughs> that could be a shorter movie they're like yeah same as yesterday <laughs> i think um that that kind of plays into what i feel would be like personal highlights is so like what stuck with me and why is definitely the performances of them and the visuals uh, yeah. but also their performances and how they pull the whole story through I would like to talk about, I think, some of that experience, because if I'm understanding correctly, because the more I was looking about this and kind of reading and seeing what people thought and why it was labeled as like a controversial film. Yeah. And it, it does raise and introduce a lot of ideas and a lot of questions related to like death and dying, yeah. and the afterlife and like, God, is God real? Yeah. Does God matter? Is hell real? Is heaven real? Yeah, yeah. Like, is heaven what you make it kind of thing? And it does have a lot of these ideas and it does dance around a lot of suggestions for answers, but it never really yeah. answers those questions. And I think that's what a lot of people had trouble with, or that seems to be like the main gripe is that it never really answers any of those questions definitively. But then at the same time, it gives you an answer about like reincarnation at the end, but it's also like, oh, we can yeah. be reincarnated if we want to. Well, do you think, cause you read those, those gripes and I didn't, do you think the gripes were based on I don't know, poor moviegoers that want answers versus like the people that I think and my artsy side of me is like, I like a film that gives, makes me come up with questions and my own answers. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this touches on Christianity. Cause he talks about, Hey, where's God during all this? But then it also touches on reincarnation, which is not necessarily a Christian concept. And it poses all of these things without shoving down your throat, God, Christian, hell, devil. Re- I mean, the, and then like, I even remember like when they even talk about suicide being a Catholic, that's like, you know, n- a no, no, but like it even talks, about how he said the line is something like you know suicide is is a place for people that don't know they're dead or something so it the nuanced wording of that is such that some higher power isn't putting them there they're ironically all the same thing they put themselves there and they all happen to put themselves in the same place so it gets a geographical location within the concept of hell but it's it's on them. So it's kind of a neat way to like it got like I well, Gooding Jr. even says something like there's no judgment here. Right. That's really interesting because they even dodged the Christian come to the gates, you know, plead your case. Are you going to heaven or hell notion? What's interesting so about that good. is because I haven't read the book, so I can't like speak to reading. it. Yeah, I want to read it after this. But I'm going to take a note. Uh, any Christian themes were put there by like one of the producers of the movie because they're not really in the book. Most of what's happening in the afterlife is like built out of research, near death experiences, and various like religions that have common through lines. That the so he author did what Hollywood does is, is he had to add an element to make it connective and marketable. Like, like at the end of the day, 
They're like, how do we sell this to Americans? Oh, we got to make it a little Christian. In an American movie, those are gonna, that deals with life and death and in the afterlife, yeah. there's going to be over Christian themes. Yeah, they're not going to talk about Buddhist concepts or Hinduism. Um, or even though, like, those are, they're, they're, they're there. They're in the movie, yeah. you know, and they're yeah. all throughout. Like, the Christian themes and everything, fine, whatever. Even if they weren't there in the book, and that's okay. And I think maybe the book probably balanced potentially better the different characters or, like, their experiences, I imagine. But it yeah. is an adaptation of a book, so it's going to be yeah. different. What yeah. I think people maybe failed to realize while watching it, but especially on this rewatch, I realized in watching it almost immediately, because it is, you know, knowing what the movie is and knowing that he's narrating, telling us this experience, obviously Chris is the main character. Robin Williams' act character is the main character of the movie, and he's the focus of the movie. Whether yeah. people are understanding of that or not, they're like, yeah, it's a story about these two people. What I think is lost on people is that this whole thing is being seen and experienced only from his perspective. Yes, the other characters are there, but literally every moment we experience is with him. There's never and a moment even where say, we're you alone. You can create your own experience there. Yes, and there's no moment where we're alone with any other character that he isn't also there fascinating that's true he's uh, the only times where he's not in a scene is when we're back on earth or however you want to word it or a flashback or or in a reality scenario yeah exactly and even in, in those flashbacks is... he is there whether he's not there yeah. so yeah. uh like i wrote this down because i was like i think the the journey the we're following chris and his experience of death and the journey of that uh in essence we are supposed to be chris which is why especially in the imagery in the opening the way they play those moments, there's like these slow motion moments. Yeah. And I took them as, yeah, this kind of looks to me like the moments you might see flash through your mind before you die sort of thing. These yeah, slow-mo yeah. happy moments with your wife, with your kids, these like innocuous things that happen between actual life things, you know? And I think that's probably why people got lost. They're like, oh, it's it's a movie about life and death and what comes after. And yeah, it is. But it's more about this man's experience processing all of that. Yeah. Coming up with his heaven and what that's going to be. And the experience of getting there. Because we are Chris, we should not get a definitive answer. Because how would we? How could no, we? Yeah, we never do. Yeah. We don't know. And once, yeah, we, yeah, once yeah. we go, there's still no way to really. Yeah. that's a, I like that perspective. Well, I mean, and that's what you said is uh, this almost to me should be the tagline of what I wrote down from the movie and actually sums up what you said. Like the tagline on the poster is afterlife. There is more mm -hmm. afterlife, fun little play on words. Yep. But like, there's a line in there. I can't remember what, who says it. I think he does when he's rescued her from hell. He says, what's true in our minds is true. Whether some people know it or not. Yeah. And that sums up everything you just said is, is, I mean, perspective is reality, whatever you want to word it. Yeah. Subjective reality. Yeah, and that's a very interesting way that you, yeah, like I never realized he's all, even though they beat that in your face, the entire meeting of him and Cuba Gooding Jr. is like, this is your world now, you're painting it. <laughs> like they even beat it in your head, like we are seeing this through Chris's eyes. Exactly. And I, I didn't even realize that. I mean, I realized that, but I didn't connect it the way you did there, but it makes sense. Because um, I think that also plays into even going with the suicide theme. 
there's like people, I guess, a lot of people, and especially in more recent years with like a better understanding generally of like mental health and all and yeah. those issues. People are like this. People hate this movie because they think that it's saying, "Oh, you commit suicide, you go to hell." Those are the rules. It's like no, yeah. that is a that is a belief in certain religions. Yeah. And the notion played with here is you're in hell because of suicide, not because you were punished by God or the devil. It's because you are punishing yourself for the act. Yeah. Of and it's it's subtle. And I like that they did it, but I, 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 it would have been nice. It was a little less subtle so as to help people realize we're not making a movie about God sending people to hell if they kill themselves. Exactly. Like if, if you're don't give that a, maybe an extra couple, 10 seconds and you watch this, it'll definitely be like, Oh, well, fuck you, man. Oh yeah. You know and, and And it wasn't until last night where I fully watched that scene where uh, it's the scene I was talking about where Robin Williams pokes him in the chest, where he's where Cuba Gooding Jr. Says those lines of, of, you know, hell is for, it's a place where people don't know they've died or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting that they put the responsibility on the, the suicide, so to speak. Exactly. And it, it was subtle and it's it subtle and beautiful. And I can definitely see it's, it's a little sensitive because at the end of the day, all the people that killed themselves did go to the place that happened to have the same zip code of hell. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was like hell adjacent, you know, right. it, you know, and, and, and I but think... I, I, it was fascinating because it still stuck to its guns of, if you have a belief in a higher power, they still did stick to their guns of saying the one thing they did say suicides don't go to heaven. <laughs> I mean, like that's, that's, they did inadvertently say that is you'll never find a suicide in heaven. Right. But, yeah. That, and that's definitely why people had like an issue with that particular aspect of the movie, which I think is fair. And I think some people yeah. also, I feel wrongly assumed that, yeah. that what they were saying was only suicides go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah would be an easy thing to mistake watching this For sure and well, i mean yeah this cause a lot of fucking problems <laughs> yeah i think and ironic whether you're a religious person or not this movie any movie i should say that does touch the topic of heaven and hell even in the first trailer if it drops and it has the mentioning of the word of heaven mentioning the word hell you instantly have narrowed your audience to right wrong or different a religious movie like not like a Kirk Cameron religious movie, but a movie that has religion in it. And that could narrow, it, yeah. it will make that audience certain, but it will make it a narrower <laughs> certain, like you're, they either got to be willing to or be like, I ain't going to watch no, you know, I'm going to watch cliffhanger, you know? Well, <laughs> like, and, you know that's the other thing too, is like, and then actually uh, right before, oh yeah, right before we got on to record, I actually, um, where did I see it? I think it was like focus on the family the focus on the family website i saw a review for what dreams may come on the focus for the family website that was uh very religiously slanted kind of thing and it was fun to read it from that point of view because i was like this is definitely something that would have been said or talked about were they saying it, it for the movie or were they like damning it they were saying uh like is this is this a movie appropriate to show my kid it's a good okay. movie to show your teen because it talks, it introduces and talks about themes of life and death and afterlife. And yeah. you know, it's a good for healthy discussion, but, and then it starts talking like berating it for the, the non-Christian themes that it feels that it was trying to push or like infer. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it is an existential life or death movie. And uh, yeah, I think sure. that's part of that experience. And, you know, speaking to a little bit like the rules 
that's one thing that I feel like people either just missed or just didn't pay enough attention to. And again, speaks to what I feel is like, we are Chris experiencing this through Chris's eyes. It's his experience. He doesn't necessarily need to know the concrete answer is yes or no, because all he really cares about is there's something more and I potentially can be interacting with my family again, which is his main focus. So everything else outside of that is immaterial and irrelevant. He does not give a shit. That's not what he's concerned about, which is why we as the viewer and the audience don't get the answers to those questions. He doesn't want them. He doesn't need them. That's not what he's there for. Yeah, well, that's that that was the beautiful thing. And that was my my present tense state of life and world or whatever. When I watched it last night of obviously, there's some movies my guilt, my admittedly guilty to you go in and turn your brain off. Sure. I go to end game. I'll watch that 19 times in the theater. Actually, no, I'll cry when when Captain picks up uh, Molnir. I'm like, Oh, God, he picked it up. (laughs) So I don't I can't count that. Uh, Okay, expendable. I just go to that movie to turn my brain off. And that's that I think people are doing themselves a disservice watching this. And I think if a lot of people do watch this, for those who listen to this podcast based on this, I know a lot of people wouldn't watch Batman versus Superman after our last one. If people watch this in the current state we're in of this whole covid world and the way i watched it is i did think about like you know mom dying Mm -hmm. i did think about like if anybody if if you yourself like i got really hostile on social media i'm like you know what what we can swear on this right yeah (laughs) like what fucking matters you know and i was like this movie is about this guy where we get to see, like you said, through his perspective, I don't know about you, but like we, we've we all had, I'm very fortunate, I had a very good loving, or I have, I mean, like what I was raised by when I say past tense. Um, my father is very hardworking and very loving, but he was of the day, uh, you know, born in the 50s, where he was a little bit Chris Nielsen-esque, mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. time where that he's like, you know, I got a game and he's like, you also have a math test. Yeah. You know, and that was, doesn't make him a bad dad. You know, that's just a different dad. And, and um, like for me, um, like my sister is a generate, you know, younger, my, she's younger than me. And that did not work for her. Mm. Like they have issues, but I watch this now and I see that in this movie, like you said, through his perspective, we get to see him look back on regret. Like those flashback scenes aren't like some shoved down our throat flashback. Like we're going to make you watch why he cares now, you know, but he's a lot, he has those moments where he looks back and goes, Oh man, my son. Oh man, my daughter. And it made me last night. Cause I watched it. I was like, I, <laughs> I was in whatever headspace I'm currently in. And I was like, kind of hostile. I was like, I, I lose like what, fucking matters this is so stupid like if if there is a heaven and i'm even catholic and i'm even like nine times out of ten i think we're sacks of meat and we're gonna go to the earth Mm -hmm. you know like the little bit of catholic bug in my head goes maybe there is a heaven i'm like that'd be awesome thumbs up but i (laughs) i don't know (laughs) like that would make me feel a little bit better sometimes but like like really like and i even posted shit today like this guy is he in heaven going like this is the current event rant for me right now but is he in in his he in heaven going oh my daughter my son i'm sad i could have done better i'm gonna go rescue my 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 wife from hell or is he going oh man how many followers do i have on instagram right you know (laughs) yeah and it's extremely an interesting movie to watch since the 998 of of what this guy is regretting his life and he didn't have the world we live in now yep and it's not you know it's fictional and it's science or sci-fi if you dare but whatever it's still a very telling thing about like you said his priority his tunnel vision yep he didn't care what religion was he didn't care what was going on cuba Gooding jr made a mention of god but that was about it and he goes well wherever they were going this hell thing i'm going to find my wife exactly and, and i found hell very interesting on that note artistically it was weird like oh, the yeah. cherubis or whatever it's called 
Like that's those, I think that's a three headed. Oh yeah. Cerberus. Yeah. Yeah. Cerberus. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and if he is creating that, like if that's his creation, like that's fucking terrifying. Like I even last night ordered a painting um, of um, the fall of the angels from, uh, we mentioned it. The sevens. Uh, who did yeah, the seven levels of hell? Dante's, Dante's Inferno. Inferno. Yeah. Yeah. And I found an amazing painting based on like a cheap painting, not a real one, but based on that, it's that, that hell he paints is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like the artist and the director and everybody that created that is utterly sickening. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's really just eerie. The whole thing yeah. is eerie. And I, I think yeah. that's what kind of makes it stand apart on its own as in terms of like an interpretation of hell there are elements that definitely are kind of cobbled together from different uh sort of hell descriptions i feel like anyway and like paintings of sort of like the ferryman and going to hell and things like that. oh for sure yeah yeah for sure a lot of influences there and they're all really interesting and cool just because so much of it didn't center around fire and flames like there was fire and flames but that wasn't the main thing it was just like this awful barren dead wasteland of just sadness and despair yeah it was suffering yes uh, yeah uh, visualized not and suffering i mean obviously if you catch fire that's miserable but like yeah it's somehow visually portrayed how the word suffering in a visual context oh sure even the lady i can't remember what part it was there's a woman with like no mouth and she's screaming yeah and and i can't like and that was i was like jesus this is just fucking creepy man yeah yeah and the sea of faces like that was a gorgeous metaphor you know where the the father's there and everything yep yeah the most beautiful yet terrifying hell ever (laughs) wrapping up and talking about like uh things that were highlights and worked and all that that i know i screw up your structure every time the thing about the structure is i it's sort of designed for easy conversational flow because like i don't have to specifically (laughs) say what were your personal highlights because we kind of flow (laughs) through those things yeah inevitably yeah and uh like i'll touch back on them and like i'll mention them um but we've definitely covered a lot of that stuff already there's just one last thing i wanted to say about like that experience being chris's experience again chris doesn't care about the rules because he just cares about his wife and his kids and like getting them back and being with them so for him just being there and the fact that he is there and that he is perceiving that it's there is enough like he doesn't give a better shit about the rules and that should be evident in the fact that even this one rule we're talking about of like suicides go to hell or whatever yeah um, and nobody's ever seen one come back. Come he back, he yeah. doesn't give a shit. Why yeah. would he care about what the rules of this are yeah. and how it works when he doesn't care about them anyway? He's like, well, I don't care yeah. what the rules are. I'm going to go get my wife. Yeah, and he's, yeah, exactly. He says, I mean, he says in a world of no rules, you're telling me that there's something that can't be done. Exactly. So therein lies the fact you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, so the rules are immaterial. The, the questions for like the true answers of life and death and why, and it's like, it's immaterial. Because at the end of the day, let's say it's you, you die. You suddenly find yourself knowing you've died, but you still exist in some plane. Does it fucking yeah. matter how it works? Why you're there? Probably yeah. not. Yeah. How damaged are you if you're still trying to micromanage the system? If you're if you're aware you're dead and you're reflecting on your death and you're like, nope, I gotta, this is I need structure. And I mean, like that is a level of clinical something that needs it didn't die with you apparently and if it's something that's like comes down to like oh you just you you have no wish to further exist past your death then yeah it's very likely you won't 
you know? Yeah, I, mean, I don't. Ca- I think Catholics call that purgatory. <laughs> right, right. It's just like if you're not existing past your death, then you're not existing past your death, and if you are, then you are. What? Why do you care what the rules of that are? If yeah. you're, especially in this context of we're, we we create our own hell, we create our own heaven. I think that could be not far from the truth if if there there is a truth to that kind of thing. And uh, well, that's the first. That's one of the things I thought when I was thinking of hell. Is during the hell scene, I was thinking to myself, I got all, you know, like religious and and are we just meat sack? Let's play the other that use that same rule of odds and rules. And how do we prove them? How do I also that very lack of proof is also the very lack of disproof to say that I can't disprove there's a heaven. And again, I'm not disclaimer. I mean, I'm Catholic and I want to believe in a heaven. I want to believe in a God and, and or whatever. But I'm science. I'm a very science brain. Yeah, guy, exactly. So I'm always fighting, fighting my 1% faith and 99% like what I can think, feel, touch and believe and see. But on that note, that to me, it's like the aliens and other planets, like there's just the statistical anomaly that we are the only beings on the planet out of all the bajillion of universes we think we know about, right? How we how do we di- we can't disprove that by lack of proof. So how do I disprove that this, this, you know, some afterlife, whatever word you want to use exists, just because I can't see it. Yeah, you know, just because yeah. I can't see alien. And then it's it's like, where does that line drawn? Like, you know, just because I can't see other creatures on other planets, aliens or whatever, doesn't mean they don't exist. Yeah, exactly. And like, you could ask but, a million existential questions in that vein, too. It's fucking sickening, because I want to know. <laughs> yeah, everybody does. Of course, we yeah. want to know. And maybe this is just my like interpretation of watching it, but I think that could be kind of part of it is, is that very notion of like, okay, but why do you, why do you want to know? Like really at the end of the day, why do you truly want to know? What does it really do for you to know the answer to that question? What does it change? Nothing. The whole experience has been, has been lived. You have the, you've had the experience knowing what it was all for. Isn't going to change that. Yeah. Well, would you, I mean, I mean, that's an interesting, like to use existential again, if you knew there was an afterlife, would you be more risky or less risky? Or if you found out you're like, Hey, you got 20 years. That's that whole, like, if you know, when you're going to die, would you want to know? Like, if you know, this is it and you're 1000% turning into carbon and dust and poop on this, you know, feeding the earth. Mm-hmm. You might, and some ironically, some higher power can prove, you know, like tell you like there is no God or there is no afterlife. You'd be like, huh, I need to change some shit, you know, and that goes back to the stuff I was doing last night. Like, do I give a shit about social media or all this bullshit, you know, and it's I hate these deep movies. You're right. I got to watch Smurfs tomorrow. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, that's part of like the great thing about these movies like this, especially is uh, is those big questions. And I think any movie that's going to pose a big question like that, I don't expect you to try to answer the question. Because if there was an answer to the question, we wouldn't be asking the damn question in the first place. Posit some ideas, give me some suggestions of what you think, and I'll mull it over, you know? You can't just be like, oh, well, this is what happens, period, accept it or don't, because nobody's going to. (laughs) Yeah. Well, do you think as a person that can write and create from scratch, um, do you think this kind of storytelling is dead and or dying because like i can't think movies that had plots and storylines seem to be more common back in the day if you will right now we've already bitched about this here and there now they're like what is a box office success yeah and if that happens to include a cool story that's a bonus (laughs) 
you know, like, do you as a writer think these things like this wouldn't be made now? I don't think like even if they attached a star to it, which normally that can help push a movie. I think uh, this movie would get made. I think the budget would have been different. That's what I think. Yeah, I'd worry get made. And the thing I liked that the tech wasn't the main character. It was a ancillary synergistic character. I'm worried it would be it would be the character. the, The gimmick would be the movie. And people, some people actually accuse what dreams may come of being this already saying it's more spectacle than story, which is interesting because I think I think you're right. I think if made today, it would still worse be spectacle as opposed to story. There might be like moments where they try to touch on the story and they do so poorly or they touch on story and it's like it's not as impactful or deep as we want it to be it might answer other questions or pose other questions but it's not going to have that resonance well i think a movie like this the the litmus test to see if it's a good structure or a good story to start with it as a foundation is if you take away that the shot of the flying ink uh, painting bird or if you take away those shots does the story still exist without those things that support it and i think this does whereas some movies the spectacle 1000 percent, the movie is leaning on that like it has to have that you know and you think storytelling like this is now the exception versus the kind of the norm like the more you and i do this the more i realize the ratios seem to have flipped. Like I always compare it to like good customer service. feels like now present day, we're more surprised. We're like, wow, that was great customer service. I'm going to do what I can to tip them or whatever it is. Like that's sadly the surprise versus the norm. Yeah. And now like when you and I talk about movies, we'll talk about, um, you know, to me, Midnight Sun was a nice little surprise. Those are, shouldn't be the exception, you know? And it feels like they're the exception now because of whatever budget you know guaranteed income i mean we even talked about like the godfather probably wouldn't be made now you know any any sort of ensemble movie that has no spectacle no gunfights only a story and some slightly famous at the time actors that doesn't sell in a studio (laughs) they're getting harder and harder to for sure and i think part of that is like the price tag that comes with having a movie with a lot of big names or an ensemble cast and studios obviously don't want to take chances on smaller movies for some fucking reason that still blows my mind because nine times out of 10, those smaller movies do so much better than anybody expects them to. Yeah. In this context, I think making, cause art films still happen and existential, like beautiful movies, which is what I would call this yeah. still very much happen. They just, we don't see about them or hear about them nearly as much as the blockbusters or the mainstream things. For sure. They happen yeah. more on like an indie film scale than anything else. And that's like the badge of honor they kind of wear these days is yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. you know it's it's an indie movie and it's an art movie so it's, and it's beautiful because it's an indie movie like the studio didn't fuck with it kind of thing so yeah they they definitely wear that as a badge of honor i feel like there's nothing wrong with that i love movies like this and i wish we got more of them on a bigger scale with bigger names that address oh, more sure. things like this they're just not as they're not nearly as popular one and two especially in our modern society in our modern world it's uh it's so much easier to be a cynic and cynical about all of these things life death afterlife etc and uh look at it through that lens and how bleak things can be and how like awful things are outside and around us because they are i mean hell think about in the last like 10 to 15 years just how much post-apocalyptic content we've had yeah, like that's very true uh everybody is apocalypse minded it seems like more or less one direction or another it's because of the way the world is i get yeah. it having a movie like this which is meant to be 
a dark descent into confrontation with your own mortality and uh, the weight of that that we all tie to like our own our own lives and our own yeah. uh, expiration dates. Having a movie that covers all that beautifully with in a big showy way. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't I don't think we we would get something like that now, especially, yeah, sure. which Damn is a it. shame. I think it's it really is a shame. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, if, we, if you and I are the mayor of Hollywood. How about this for a bookend? So this is creepy. Uh, when Chris Nielsen um, is talking to when he first meets um, Cuba Gooding Jr. in the movie, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character says, when you last me, I was 63 stretched out on a cardiac ward. Who wants to be 63 throughout eternity? Robin Williams passed away at age 63. Oof. How weird is that? Wow. And that was clear back in 2014. That's wild. Years. Yeah. My goodness. Um, so in one hour photo, there's a behind the scenes footage. Like, so some, it wasn't even a B camera. It was like, the behind the scenes camera so the behind the scenes camera is recording a scene about to happen or scene happening so right. you see robin williams and whatever's happening you see the other big cameras you see the perspective of the crew basically yeah yeah it's a very serious scene he's he's doing his act character thing he's not being robin williams he's being the dramatic actor robin williams and the minute they call cut he is coked out robin williams like it to me i will never forget that and i mentioned that anecdote that story i'll probably find that scene or that behind the scenes thing and i've butchered it in my head over, over the years but to me that exemplifies not just acting but like filmmaking or art in general of that like it's i always say like as, as self-deprecating as it is it's not curing cancer but it can yes like the fact he switches that light switch off and still gives that ridiculously terrifyingly amazing performance in one hour photo. The minute they call cut, he is, I mean, that could be a sign of the mental health issues. Don't get me wrong, but he is the Robin Williams we think of from Mork and Mindy and just jacked up and, and entertaining everybody on set. And then they go, okay, get to places. And he goes right back into it. Oh yeah. Which to me shows this is just, it's playing pretend at the end of the day, kids, kids do what we go back to saying now. Kids do what we pay actors $20 million to do convincingly. Kids do it for free every day in a sandbox. And they believe the shit out of it. That's a, that's a good cap off for sure. Good, definitely. Because yeah, believing the shit out of it ties right back into the movie. At the end of the day, <laughs> um, belief is a powerful thing. And believing that you have something like waiting for you at the end can, can be a comfort. And I think... Yeah. Um, that's kind of one of the things I think the movie is, is trying to leave you with. Uh, and honestly, in, in closing, wrapping up here, which is actually good because I am able to come back to it. I almost forgot about it and I'm glad I didn't. Wrapping up talking about this movie, there was a deleted, not a deleted scene, but an alternate mm. ending. Uh, in the ending yeah, of this movie, and you know, spoilers, but whatever, we're at the end, so who cares? Robin Williams's character, Chris, battles through hell. He tries to get his wife back. And at the end of the day, he ultimately decides which also I think is like an underrated kind of moment of the movie. He would rather stay in hell with his wife than be without her in heaven is right. what he decides. Yeah. That's how it is. That's yeah. That's what we see on in the movie now. Yeah. They wind up back in heaven because it pulls her out of her funk and she's able to pull them back to where they need to be. And they, they get to heaven and that's great. She says something like it was because he wasn't trying to understand her, but he was willing to be with her. That yeah. was the little cosmic light switch that made her kind of snap out of her tormented soul hell thing to bring him back yeah yeah exactly and i mean i think one of the lines in that moment i even wrote it down was he said something um 
he pushed away the pain so hard he disconnected from the person he loved most. Exactly. And so when he decided to connect with her, ironically, at that moment, for those who watch the movie after this, you'll see he he loses himself. Like it's it's he literally blanks out and doesn't know who she is or where he is. Yeah. And then and then I love this. And this is upon I'll let you finish. Or the thing that I noticed this time is I saw this. I saw this every time. Is there was one of them said initially is the first half of the movie where they say sometimes when you win you lose. Yeah. But this is the first time last night since 1998. After hell, she arrives up in this purple dress and she switches the wording. And I never noticed this until last night where she goes sometimes when you lose you win. Yep. And that's when he lost, i.e., giving up and, and staying with her, and that resulted in the win. So I was fat. That was like my like that was one of those ones where I was like, how did I? I never noticed that i've been watching this since 98 and i just noticed they switched the wording it's yeah that was, right, that was a good touch. Alternate ending. so the alternate ending is like it would have more or less ended the same it would have just been slightly different um they make okay. it back to heaven the they get to see the kids you know the kids okay. come back but what i guess was supposed to be the alternate ending and for people listening who either have or haven't seen an inner curious the way this ends they decide okay we're all back together they get to live out some time in heaven and they decide what if instead we just we reincarnate we can reincarnate if right if we yeah. if we want to we can relive our whole life and maybe make some different choices maybe yeah. we can be be happier and not yeah. do some of the, the bad shit we did and so they ultimately decide to do that and then there's a cute moment of uh kind of bookending how they meet in the beginning yeah. on boats as young adults and now instead yeah. their kids and their two boats yeah. crash into each other when they're playing on a lake beautiful it's it's beautiful Very it's good. a good bookend it's it's lovely and uh i'm fascinated you got me on the edge of my seat yeah it, it, it's lovely but what people were saying it, it felt like a cop-out kind of thing is like these they just came together and it was easy and it was fine like yeah, yeah it, was, it was very clean <laughs> the only added layer that this alternate ending would have had is that instead of uh staying with the kids they decided to reincarnate again but what changes is Leona, the daughter, as Leona, the flight attendant, who tells them that those who commit suicide have to go have to go back and be reincarnated. And then Chris says he wants to go back and be reincarnated also. Because if she's going to go back and be reincarnated, he wants to go oh, back too. It's the same outcome, but an interesting, more of an interesting way to do it. Exactly. And then the way the movie would have ended was instead of them meeting together as kids, yeah. literally you would have seen two babies born on completely opposite filmed. side of the planets. There is footage for that. Yeah, they they There's a little bit of they shot. I have seen that. You're right. I have seen that. Yeah, they shot it. So it's it would have been like they're both born on completely opposite sides of the world. It'd be like a baby born in Sri Lanka and a baby born in like the yeah, United that's States. Right. I forgot they shot that. And so it's then you're the left with somewhere. the movie. Like it, it ends with them just being born leaving you as an audience to like imagine what it could be for them to find each other again i yeah i forgot i forgot i had seen that i've seen i don't know because i somewhere in storage i have this as an old as a dvd and i think it's an extra um i've got to go watch the itunes thing and see if it's offered there now but yeah like yeah that's that's the hollywood doesn't they want to make it pretty right exactly they don't they don't want to allow for the possibility of an open-ended yeah. uplifting ending because that would have been uh they even yeah. have i guess because i was like rereading this Max von Sydow's character, who ends up actually being Albert, as you find out later. I guess they 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 not only that, but they tell them how it will happen. Like, oh, uh, right. you'll go back. Uh, that Chris will meet Annie in Sri Lanka, where Annie will die in his arms, and he will die forty years after that. So it's like, oh, that's right. They and tell that him sucks. exactly what he's in for, and he still does. To, 
Yeah, because he, and yeah, that's right. It was beautiful because he's willing to see her again on Earth, yet be alone for 40 years. Knowing he'll be her. without her for that long before he gets yeah, to see her. Yeah, that's not a, that's a uh, ending. Yeah, where you're just like, you're like, it's, it's beautiful, but you're also, you know, because it's, it defies the cookie cutter, like, oh, they, yeah, us as humans, yeah, us as humans like the, the bow at the end. Exactly. Like, I was yeah. like, this isn't uh, exactly comparable, but I will never forget how the movie Seven ends. Yeah. That was the first movie I'd ever had seen. I'm 99.9% sure where I was like, oh God, that didn't end good at all. Right. That's like horrible. Everybody's dead. Brad Pitt's in prison. Her head's in a box. <laughs> And credit. There's no happiness here. Fuck. And I was in the theater with my family on our, it was like our Sunday go to movie family day. So it was like the fucking worst movie to go to as a family. Oh man. And I, that was, I'll never forget that is, I always call that the seven kind of movie where like that was the first movie where people, sh movie was shocked without the happy bow book and cookie cutter bullcrap. Yeah. And as us as humans, as much as we like, I love seven, I think we unconsciously subconsciously long for like, please God, give us some like pretty happy endings. But that's the funniest thing is the best example of this is like fandoms. You go back and look at any fandom, people want something so bad and the minute they get it, they fucking hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Star Wars fans. It's better. It's better to like not do that ending because yeah, it allows you always going to be better than the real thing. Right. It allows your audience yeah. the chance to like believe in something or kind of write their own version yeah, of how I've that never... could happen. That has more weight to it or grab like it has more value. Because that, the way it ends now, they're the exact same age, they're happy, and it implies a nice little, this one implies value. The fact he knows, she's like, oh, fuck, that's gorgeous, actually. Yeah, yeah he knows he's going to die. a lot more weight. So, like, I can understand. Yeah, he has to spend life alone. I can definitely understand. My, wow. my, my mental picture right now is kind of like, had they kept that ending, and that's the ending they pushed out to theaters, it's very possible some of, like, the poor reception related to those big questions would have been less important. Uh, that's like in the video interview of the Siskel and Ebert thing, that's one of the things that Ebert is saying is they walk you right up to the precipice of like what could have been a masterful ending and then they 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 pulled back. Yeah. And the alternate ending is exactly what I think he's talking about. They, they came that's right true. up to the edge and then they decided, no, let's pull back to be safe. Yeah. They played it I safe on the I thought edge. about it, but it's, it's very much, I would buy that. It's not one of those movies where they're like, oh shit, we ran out of money. We better wrap this up. In retrospect, now with this these this conversation and these eyes, I there I can't not see that now. I'm like, oh, I could see that. Like it was around the 90 minute mark or you know, the 120 minute mark. I don't know how long, where they're like, we've got to get this going, man. And and yeah, it's it yeah. is an amazing ending. Don't get me wrong, it's it's beautiful. Like the act the little kids, there's this there's this thing that just lucky happenstance where she definitely does something where she i could see that being the young um uh, annabella right yeah yeah and 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 obviously they give her the same bob haircut and everything but the, the moment is gorgeous but i never i would trade it in a, in a heartbeat for that other ending yep ah, <laughs> ah exactly it's like ah come on yeah the minute you know about it yeah so that's like uh, i really want to check that out anyway wrapping <laughs> up uh i think that kind of does summarize everything i kind of had to say and my closing yeah. thoughts. So the only other thing I'll say about it is uh, watch it. Watch watch what yeah. dreams may come if you haven't seen it already. I saw it on iTunes. Where'd you? It's on. I know it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's available on most platforms right now. I could be wrong, uh, but I, I feel like it is. It's pretty widely available. A beautiful, but also at times dark kind of 
yeah, confrontation of life and death. And uh, Robin Williams and Annabella Sciorra turned in just masterful, beautiful performances. Everybody does. Cuba Gooding Jr. is especially notably mentionable for everything he's doing in the movie. Yeah, yeah, there's not a, a week. Even like the smallest, I wrote, there's the ancillary small performances, like Max von Sindau is in it for 10 seconds. And there's one moment where he takes off his glasses and he says, you know, these used to be rimless and the rest of me used to be black. Yeah. And then he sees Robin Williams realize who he is and his lip quivers. And I'll, every time I watch this, I won't notice that moment. And I don't think I was the actor going, here's where I make my lip quiver. He was doing it. It physically transpired yeah. from his emotion and every character is like that you know even the daughter the uh hawaiian daughter version thing like when she says um i was waiting for my partner when she's talking about playing chess yeah like every every actor in that film uh tells the story and is 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 necessary and doesn't like overshadow even though robin williams is the main character yep. it's not like we're like oh this is a robin williams movie yeah it's it's stunning uh yeah visually visually gorgeous y you will remember it it will stay with yeah. you one reason or another no matter what after yeah. watching it. a weird time to watch it too yes like you might get hostile like i did last night <laughs> uh you might you might yeah you might just kind of like wind up really taking stock of your life and what what matters to you most and uh or you might be realizing how much you miss robin williams and realize uh God, no he, kidding he was yeah i'm actually a, gonna yeah Un underappreciated powerhouse. That was uh, What Dreams May Come, starring Robin Williams, directed by Vincent Ward. Uh, we're gonna be moving on now to the, the get to know you section, the big questions. Big questions. And yes, there are different big questions because you have been on the show before. That's true. I'm not even ready, oh shit. Oh shit, yeah, you have no <laughs> idea what's coming. I have none. <laughs> so, first of the new Big questions. If you had to pick a movie to describe your life, what would that movie be? Damn you. Uh, ironically, I would do a hybrid of What Dreams May Come and A River Runs Through It. All right. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. If, if that could be uh, created. Like, yeah, that. Yeah, that. Okay. Okay. Now, why would you say that those best describe you? Probably the themes of they they both have a theme of I guess uh, simplicity and and the value of that, but they have a value of the story has a look back or a look back after it's too late mo motive motif. The the narrator of A uh, River Runs Through It is is it's it's past tense. He's talking about his life after the fact mm -hmm. or after all this stuff happened. That is it would probably be the uh, theme of looking back on what you had and valuing it before it's too late. I would say those are the, it sounds really dark, but it's actually supposed to be optimistic. <laughs> no, yeah. I think uh, just finding the, finding the value in what's important to you is yeah, huge. Yeah. It's definitely huge. And I yeah. think that's something that comes to a lot of people really late because you're just not thinking about it yeah and i was even talking to somebody today and i think um this sounds like old poor me wise man on the mountain but facts are facts i don't know the national statistic for you know uh, american white males mortality but at my age i'm at the halfway mark and that's odd to me and now covid makes you look certain ways you know now where i'm at the age where the people that i considered rocks whether they be parents or just whatever i'm seeing death a lot and i even made a post yesterday about i'm used to death in combat and now i'm seeing parents friends from cancer like that is the thing where you're like holy shit 
this stuff is real. And that's why those two movies to me have an interesting, completely disconnected movies, but an interesting common ground of, of looking back on the things you had the simple bull crap and, and remembering that. That honestly, that's a, I like that as an answer just generally, because I also sort of belabor a, a bigger point that we kind of danced around when we were talking about what dreams may come in general of you, you have no idea what's coming. You can think like you have all the time in the world and you just don't, especially these days with everything that's happening out around us. It's, it's easy. <laughs> it's been easier to think about like what's important in the last year, probably yeah. for most people than, yeah. than in a long time. And I think that's been a, I meant, wanted to say that even when you're talking studio talk for the, the film, um, I think whether it's going to actually materialize or not is, is not even on our personal lives. There is a, 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 a taking stock of what matters those days of spending like even using wonder woman they mm -hmm. spent a hundred or two hundred billion dollars or whatever on that movie and it made like three or something i don't yeah. know it was very disproportionate yeah the days of like truly value using that word a lot perspective has been forced mm -hmm. and and we've given you know whether i mean you know whether it's Pomp is it Pompeii? What was the city buried by a, a yeah, volcano? Yeah, Pompeii. Pompeii. I mean, a few. So whether this, that's one of the big. Yeah, whether this is our version of Pompeii, we're like, that was a close call. Let's actually learn from this, or or once this is all over, we all just go back to our normal ways. Like that's that's the thing. Hopefully, we don't. I agree. I I label this as a tough question because I have a hard time coming up with the answer for myself. Uh, okay, great. What genre of movie or what movie world would you want to live in? for one day i would say i drama slash romance i don't i don't need actions and explosions anymore i've i've done it for i mean hell you've time. had a, you've had enough of them in your life already um i think yeah i, I won't get too long-winded like usual but drama and romance because i think at this stage in life there is more to get out of that despite you know like you've seen i have paintings of endgame um despite my love of getting lost in those things those are so distant and fantastical that there is complete disconnect you know it's yeah. not like i'm like oh this motivates me for when i'm on another planet fighting thanos like no i don't connect, <laughs> i don't connect to it like that so yeah i guess that'd be my answer is, is drama slash parentheses romance uh, I like that. It's going against, definitely going against the grain of stuff that you would would probably normally have to deal with or have. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That How makes I'm sense. probably going to get cast in everything. I very <laughs> much dig that. I, I dig that. So we got two more quick big questions and then we're ah, done. Sorry. <laughs> Let's hear them. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, if you could only watch one movie for the rest of your life, what movie would you pick? Hmm. I'm so to allow for some room here, five movies. They're almost the movies I want to watch. I would say a river runs through it. Um, I would definitely say what dreams may come love actually. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I fucking love that movie. Probably one of the Rockies, probably Rocky two. Okay. Okay. And I think a movie that, Oh yeah. <sighs> for some reason, interstellar like, always gets me. It's I, I like interstellar. A lot. That's a pretty, pretty damn good one to have on the it is it might maybe interstellar rep one two three four yeah maybe interstellar and that could be bumped off from competition <laughs> it's solid yeah maybe, solid yeah interstellar might get knocked off here and there by um like 21 jump street if i just need a, a dumb drunk laugh <laughs> i hear you <laughs> yeah because none of those are funny <laughs> all right and then uh the next one uh what is the last good movie or show that you watched hmm uh, Midnight Sun, the George Clooney movie. Uh, Midnight and Sky. Or Midnight Sky. Midnight Sky. Thank you. Oh, I wrote that down wrong earlier. 
uh, Midnight Sky and or Fat Man, the Mel Gibson sure. playing Santa Claus movie. Yeah. Um, Ralph Garman did it on his podcast. They mentioned it way like about a year ago. They're like, if you just hear the words, Mel Gibson's playing Santa Claus, you automatically, any sane person dismisses that movie and rightfully so. <laughs> like the minute they said that, even I was like, and I'll, I'll watch me some gimmicks. I was like, yeah. oh Christ, no. And I'll be damned, man. I it was really freaking good, man. And and yeah, so it'd be a that one and and like you said, Midnight Sky. Those were little sleepers I wasn't ready for. Mm -hmm. Well, that uh, kind of rounds out the big questions for this round. Last time, the last question was like any personal recommendations, but this we're just going with like last good things you saw because that kind of falls yeah. in the same vein. But yeah, uh, yeah. outside of the last good things you saw, if there is anything else that you want to recommend that you maybe didn't uh, recommend last time or something new that you kind of saw recently besides the ones you discussed? Yeah, no, I'd say definitely uh, despite how it sounds, because there's no way to sell it without sounding. It, it is eye rolling until you watch it. Uh, Fat Man with Mel Gibson as Santa Claus and Trust Me and Scott's recommendation of Midnight Sky, a George Clooney um, playing... I don't want to say against type, but it's definitely, I don't know. It's actually weird because he's a giant movie star, yet he's not actually in, it's not like he's in a movie every year. No. So it's, and this is, I think this is a really good movie. Very, I'm, I'm a sucker for the father protecting daughter movies. Sure. You know, in this vein of um, Man on Fire, etc. I don't have a daughter. I don't know why those movies work for me. But yeah, I definitely watch those for sure. And thirdly, I would also say if you have HBO Max or the DC app, which actually as of the 21st changed over to HBO, I think any of the R-rated Batman comic book or any DC comic book movies a lot of them are very underrated yeah. for uh, any comic book nerd like tons of awesome Justice League movies and Batman movies and Red Hood movies most of them rated R the only thing that makes them not adult is the fact they're a cartoon but yeah, don't let yeah. that dissuade anybody like, I've actually uh, I've been trying to like kind of work my way through some of those and there's some really fun ones in there but also like even not the rated R stuff, frankly, like I, I've been rewatching the Teen Titans and having a damn blast, frankly. Yeah. Like, uh, Abby, a good friend of mine told me to start watching those two and it's just, it's on the list and I just never got to it yet. Yeah. Um, the Harley Quinn cartoon on HBO is really yeah. enjoyable and that's very, I still adult. need to watch that based on you. Yeah. That's very <laughs> adult, very fun. I enjoyed the hell out of that. Like I, yeah. I binged the whole series once I started it in like a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely going back and kind of revisiting. I did Batman the Animated Series because they yeah. had it. I And uh, then I did, yeah, I've been doing Teen Titans. So it's, it's yeah. super fun going well, back to the shows. Seen, I, I can't remember if we're sharing. I think we're sharing the DC. Yeah, yeah. Pirating. But they have all the comics, like all, like Batman number one or the appearance of Batman. Like they actually have that on there now. Yeah, the, everything I, got been, digitized. I saw in the like, uh, well, I think... Not everything, but pretty much. I, I know they're still early. working on yeah. some of the catalog. Yeah, but it's it's all digitized. And I started going down the rabbit hole of Scott Snyder, Zack Snyder's son, actually has a Batman run. Oh, and it's shit. called like Metal Metal Gear or Metal something. It's a fascinating, um, al not alternate. Like that's the one thing I, as much of a comic book nerd I am, as I am, I don't understand all the iterations. Sure. Because yeah. they don't connect, but they do, you know, like so. But he has an interesting... Uh, uh, comic books there and i've been watching reading those on the big screen on that app but yeah that, those would be my recommendations okay fair enough sounds like some solid recommendations <laughs> last but not least any tags or pluggables you'd like to drop before we uh we close out but i would just say 
you know, uh, Scott and I have started a film company, which we're actually going to officially copyright or trademark. I'm still working on that. Uh, Scruff Brothers Films. Yep. And to Scott's credit, a lot of our projects are getting a lot of recognition. We don't have any projects per se to have you look at, but Scott and I are taking taking in our own hands, basically playing the Hollywood game, but also sick of playing the Hollywood game. So it's an ironic juxtaposition. But yeah, I auditioned for a giant role recently, and maybe that will fund Scruff Scruff Brothers Films if I get it. Uh, Yeah, it was was a big one. That's that's (laughs) the most we can say. Uh, the app or the app or the company owns it's almost like Demolition Man, where they're like, Now every restaurant's Taco Bell. <laughs> like this, this, this company I just auditioned for now, every movie or franchise is owned by them. It's basically. not not a franchise that rhymes with Risney, <laughs> yes, that uh, Risney, <laughs> and he's the writer, folks. <laughs> yeah. I could have gone with something else, but uh, I was being as obvious as possible. Yeah, that's fine. I'll take it. So yeah, that's that's my pitch is Scott's work, basically. Well, thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. <laughs> things are getting some attention. Some things I wrote are, are getting some some people looking at them. Some people yeah. with actual like, you know, names and power and yeah. shit. Rightfully so. Which is surreal and exciting. Uh, so yeah, just keep uh, keep your ear to the ground. Keep your eyes peeled. There could be something coming from me, Scruff Brothers Films, Jeff, very soon. Yeah. At Scruff Brothers Films, at uh, everything is the Jeff Bosley. Yeah, the Jeff Bosley. For I blame again. I blame Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> I just went with his that template. At the Jeff Bosley, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Scruff Brothers yeah. Films at Scruff Brothers Films on uh, on basically all those same things, oh. uh, and you'll be able to keep track of us. That's it. Thank you for stopping by. That was uh, our our lovely discussion on what dreams may come. Uh, this has been Scott's Movie Pod. Until I think of a better name, which probably not gonna do. Uh, <laughs> good. Thanks for dropping by. Have a good one, everybody. All right. Thank you very much for stopping by and listening to Scott's Movie Pod. Until I think of a better name, which I may never do. Special thanks to my guests for coming on the show and all of you for listening. Original podcast music by Weston Lee Ball. You can find them at lava underscore submersible on Instagram and Weston Lee Ball on Facebook. And if you like the podcast, do me a favor and just rate and review. Let me know what you think. Leave a comment and uh, maybe I'll read it during the show. Thanks again and I'll catch you next time. <laughs>